Praise the Lord. Amen. Good morning. It's so good to see you all here. Praise the Lord. Your beautiful faces, the precious people of God. Wonderful Jesus. Amen. If you have your pen and paper, please get ready. Amen. Prophetic destiny. Prophetic destiny. That's what God has for us. What spirit holds your future? What spirit holds your future? For every one of us, our future is very important. Your future is not only important to you, your future is important to your children, to your family, the community that you're in, the country that you're in. Amen? Your future is very, very important and precious, especially to God. We need to understand that the God that we're talking about, Jesus has given us the revelation of the love of God that he is our dead. We are asked to call him our father. And he is the father of your spirit. You can find out in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 9, he is the father of spirits. So he has put your spirit within your soul and in your body. So it's very important for us to know and recognize that we are more than just what, you know, meets the eye. You are a spirit. And you are in charge of your soul, which is made up of your will, your thoughts, and your emotions. And you live in this physical body, or you can call it your earth suit. And you have an eternal one. And if we read John chapter 4, verse 24, John 4, 24, God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship, worship him in spirit and in truth. The word truth also means reality. Reality. And I want to draw your attention to the word worship. The word worship is the Greek word proskuneo, which means proskuneo, which means to adore, to adore, to admire. And God loves the purity of our worship. He compares that to a little child. That means when you worship God, you are like a little child, uncomplicated uncomplicated, like a child, innocent and pure, uncomplicated, undivided. And when you give him that aspiration, aspiration is what comes out from the inside of you. And when you aspire towards God, you touch the Father and he gives you the inspiration. How many of us know that there are many expensive pieces of artwork and music and they have come not by intellectual calculation but by divine inspiration? Inspirations are very, very powerful. And if you could have God's inspiration, God can make you rich. God can make you healthy. God can make you powerful. Inspirations, inspirations, they come when you have never thought about it. An idea that you've never thought about would suddenly come to you. Things that you've been thinking, calculating, working so hard to get, suddenly dawns on you. Inspirations are very, very powerful and very, very expensive, and they come from God. And in order to receive inspirations, it's important that we don't overthink. It's important that don't calculate a noisy soul. It's important that you don't overtake and you judge and you boss everyone, everything, and your tongue is like, you know, like a... A mo- uh, what's it called? A lawn mower? And just cut everybody, everything? <laughs> it's important that we don't have a smart aleck attitude. And it's in- very important because that kind of attitude, that kind of disposition, or that kind of behavior will grieve the Holy Spirit away from you. 
I'm not saying that you're not saved, but I'm saying that you won't be able to walk in that high places. But if we stay humble, if we stay affectionate and dependent towards God like a child, it's always good to ask the Lord, what do you think? I don't get it. I don't quite understand it. Could you tell me what this is about? Then he will touch you. He will impart you. He will bless you. One of the big mistakes that I noticed that I've made myself in the past is that I work so hard. I think so hard that I think God outside. I think God out of the picture. Because when I'm dependent on myself, God says, okay, I'll let you depend on yourself. And it's very easy to do because we are natural. We tend to do things. We try our best. We tend to do it. We tend to think about it. We try to come up with a solution. But I've learned now to walk lightly with the Lord. And he will surprise me and amaze me with his ideas, you know, with his inspirations. Let's look at Job chapter 32, verse 8. Job 32, verse 8. Job 32, verse 8. But there is a spirit in man. Are you a man? Yes. Is there a spirit in you? Is there a spirit in you? We always make that mistake of not paying enough attention to our spirit. The soul becomes dominating. The soul dominates your spirit. You're thinking all the time, feeling all the time, willing all the time. All the decisions come out of your will, come out of your thoughts, come out of your feelings when you ignore your spirit. And God will allow us to do that until we hit the wall and something bad happens. I would rather be smart and obey God to begin with. It's very important that we cultivate that spirit. Cultivate, nurture your spirit. Practice listening to your spirit. Practice putting your spirit before your soul. Practice hearing the voice of your spirit more than hearing the, the voice of the people around you, including your own voice. But there is a spirit in man and the inspiration. We're talking about the inspiration of Beethoven. We're talking about the inspiration that came to Isaac Newton. We're talking about the inspiration that came to the beautiful, beautiful paintings, the artists, the inspiration that came to David when he wrote the Psalms. The inspiration that came to Daniel when they were about to lose their lives. But the inspiration of the Almighty gives them understanding. Understanding is knowing the intricate details, knowing the way that God does things, knowing his priorities, knowing how to follow him, his strategies. And I want to live, I want to read also from the Living Bible. We'll be using the Living Bible a lot. Job 32 verse 9, it is the spirit in a man. The breath of the Almighty that makes him, here's the word, intelligent. We're not talking about mental intelligence. We're talking about spiritual intelligence, which is a far more powerful than mental intelligence. Mental intelligence is powerful, of course. You, you look at all the researchers and all the inventions and all of that. But spiritual intelligence is far more powerful. And we need that, especially now in the end times. So let's lift up our hands for spiritual intelligence. Spiritual intelligence come to the humble. Humble. And to be humble needs practice. I have learned that for myself. I need to practice being humble and walking humbly. Being prideful is our natural disposition. Being humble is the disposition of your spirit. It's one of the fruits of the spirit, meekness. 
Amen. And you need to practice it. We need to practice it before the Lord. We need to practice. Amen? Can we say amen? amen. So to be inspired, to aspire, it's very, very powerful. To be inspired, to aspire. So what do I mean? When you're reading the Bible, the light keeps coming to you. The word of God keeps talking to you. Rhema words kept, you know, kept being given to you, keep being given to you. What's happening? You're being inspired. You're being inspired. And what do you do with the inspiration? You aspire. You aspire. You go higher, God. I want more, God. I want to serve you. I want to know you so that I can serve you. I can't serve you if I don't know you. I need to know you to serve you. I need to be like you in order that I can serve you. So you are being inspired to aspire. It amazes me sometimes, you know, sometimes you may think that why it's got so harsh calling people stupid and a fool. If you read the book of uh, Proverbs, you notice that a fool, you know, a fool. Why is that so? Because you have to understand that God is looking at people. I mean, for somebody who has lived a bad life, a broken life, a disastrous and a difficult life for 40 years. And still refused to humble himself before God. What's the biblical word for that? A fool. We don't want to become a moron. A moron. Somebody who's so dense. What do we need? Enlightenment. Inspiration. So let's lift up our hands for enlightenment, for inspiration. The word spirit in Hebrew is the word ruah. And in Greek, it's the word pneuma. It means the air. The air. Let's go to Daniel chapter 2, verse 28 in the Living Bible. Daniel chapter 2, verse 28. If I have another son, I would call him Daniel. But don't get me wrong, I'm not getting pregnant. So <laughs> Daniel 2, 28. But there is a God in heaven who reviews secrets. We are talking about God's secrets. How many of you know that if you know the secrets of the Brisbane City Council and know where they're going to put a highway, when they're going to put a highway, you become very rich. Think about that. You know where to put your houses, your towns, your property. And the Bible talks about there is a God in heaven who does not withhold, but who reviews secrets. And has told you in your dream what will happen in the future. How many of you know that there's a lot of people that are waiting to see whether there's going to be war in Ukraine because that would affect the economy? If you could just, you know, if you would just know a bit ahead of others, that will make you rich, that will make you powerful, that will make you very much wanted. God wants us to know about the future. I've been taught wrong for some time because they told me that the word prophecy means just for edification, for exhortation, and for comfort. No, the word prophecy means foretelling. So God is the one who will foretell, as you can see here in the book of Daniel. Daniel knows that, and that's why he's been reading the book of Jeremiah. He knew that. He knew that. He prepared himself for God's prophecies to come to him. If you want to get into the spirit of prophecy, it's important that you prepare yourself. You prepare yourself so that you're in the flow. I think I've told you before, when you're in the flow, you will be in the know. And when you're in the know, you'll be in the glow. Your heart, 
flowing with him and sing-sing with him. Amen. And don't forget what's so special about Daniel. He's a man of an excellent spirit. He's a man of an excellent spirit. What's an excellent spirit? An excellent spirit is that, God, I want to walk with you. I want to touch your hand. I want to be your co-worker. I want to know you. I want to walk with you so that I can serve you. So that I can serve you. This is coming from a humble heart. That's why he's called a man of an excellent spirit. I remember the Lord gave me a dream about one of our friends. And in that dream, I saw him die. I was so terrified. I right away, I rang, you know, I rang my family member. And I said to, I said to her, I saw this man die. And I told my husband as well. And I know that there had been missionaries sent to him to the hospital. And I know that people had gone to witness to him, visited him, telling him about Jesus. But he still refused. And he died, just as the dream had revealed to me. And not long ago, in the other day, at night, I had a dream. And it wasn't a good dream. And I saw that the devil was harassing me. And suddenly the devil pinched my leg and I woke up with a cramp and I screamed because it was so painful and I woke up my husband and he helped me and I pray in tongues and when I pray in tongues, that pain, that cramp I'm talking about just left, just left. And the Lord was showing me the realm of the spirit that what happened in my dream literally happened in reality. So though you may not see the realm of the spirit, so you may not feel the realm of the spirit, there are invisible spirits, both angels and devils, that are working all the time. Over time, they, they don't sleep and they are very real. And the Bible sharpens our spiritual sensitivity. The Bible, the Word of God, will sharpen your sensitivity so that you can sense, you can feel the presence of angels, the Holy Spirit, or devils around you. So who, who held that person's future? Who held the future of my friend, God or himself? Which spirit held his future? The spirit of the world, the spirit of demons. It was not God who killed him. It wasn't God who sent him to hell. But he was spiritually tuned deaf to the Holy Spirit and he rejected salvation. God wants to work on the inside of us as much as, listen to me, we allow him. God will work on the inside of us as much as we allow him. I used to be a very bossy person, but God had trained me and tamed me and taught me. And a lot of times these days, if you ask me any question, I'll just say whatever you want. Because I've learned, even though in a painful way, that every man and every woman is his or her, his or her own master. This is the truth. You may act very humble, you may act very polite, but no, on the inside, each and every one of us is his or her own master. And guess what? God knows that. God knows that, and he's not bossy. And guess what? The Holy Spirit is the most gentle person you can ever meet. He will never boss you. He will never push you. Even if, even if he has a beautiful gift for you, even if he has a beautiful future that he has prepared for you, he will not give it to you if you don't want it.
Let's look at Job 33, verse 14 to 18. And that's why it is so, so important for us to understand God and to move with him. Job 33, verse 14 to 18. For God speaks again and again in dreams, in visions of the night, when deep sleep falls on men as they lie on their beds. He opens the ears in times like that and gives them wisdom and instruction. Why would God talk to them in dreams at night so that they won't be able to argue and resist? Sometimes I won't call and talk to anybody because I know that he or she is going to defend or argue with me. So better not talk. Okay, so you look at this. He opens their ears in times like that and gives them wisdom and instruction, causing them, hopefully, to change their minds and keeping them from pride and warning them of the penalties of sin and keeping them from falling into some trap. Isn't God good? Isn't God good? Isn't God good? Amen. Well, what do you mean, Pastor Dora, by spirits? That's too intangible to comprehend. Don't tell me to pray. It's too, you know, too airy-fairy, too intangible. How do I apply that to practical living? I'm, I'm helping you now. When we talk about spirits, we are talking about ideas that come to you. We need to understand that all spirits be it the Holy Spirit, be it Satan himself, demons, all spirits, both good and evil spirits, they come to affect your will, your thinking, and your emotions, and thereby affecting your decisions, affecting your goings, and thereby affecting your future. So all spirits come to us to affect or to communicate with us as what? Ideas, suggestions, thoughts, feelings, dreams, images. It's very important for us to discern between the spirits of God and the evil spirits. God and his spirits are gentle, free, non-intrusive. Satan and his demons are manipulative, controlling, guarded, withdrawn, with overwhelming emotions, especially negative emotions, temptations, drives, obsessive compulsive feelings. Do you get it? Well, somebody said, I'm not spiritual, you know, I'm a naturalist, I just love to be practical. Okay, let me give you the word of God, Philippians chapter 3 verse 19. Philippians chapter 3 verse 19, the Amplified Bible. These are the naturalists, they are doomed and their fate is eternal misery. Why? Because their God is their stomach, their appetites, <laughs> their sensuality. And their glory is their shame. What is that? Pride. Siding with earthly things and being of their party. The devil works with the naturalists. Devils don't want anybody to believe in God, don't want anybody to learn how to pray, don't want anybody to understand visions and dreams from the Holy Ghost. Whereas God wants us to aspire to be spiritual. Spiritual. Biblically, divinely spiritual. So let's raise our hands to him. Amen. Amen. So we ask the Holy Spirit to activate us, to spiritualize us. To bring life into our spirits. To make us spiritually active and powerful. Amen? Otherwise, you are fighting a lost battle with the devil. People are spirits. Whether you like it or not, you are a spirit. Amen? 
If one is not active in the Lord, then he or she, by default, is the devil's agent. Okay? Even, I'm talking about Christians. So by biblical and Holy Ghost definition, there is no such thing as a non-active, born-again, spirit-filled Christian. So every born-again, spirit-filled Christian is spiritually active. Can we say amen? Amen. Amen. Come on, say to yourself, I'm spiritually active. So does God reveal to us our future? What's your answer? Does God reveal to us our future? Absolutely. Amen. So as Christians, we need to understand that we all have a prophetic calling. To be prophetic means you know the future. You have been geared to know the future. You are able to communicate with the Holy Spirit who knows the future. Amen. The God of the Bible is the God of a bright, great future. Can we say amen? Amen. And one very, one very important area about God is that now everybody knows that God is omnipotent. Praise the Lord for the Pentecostals, you know, signs and wonders and miracles. But not everybody is active in God's omniscience. God is omniscient, meaning that God is all-knowing. God is all-knowing. God is all-knowing. He knows every day of your life. He knows every person you are about to meet. He knows your physical condition. He knows the attacks of the devil. He knows the traps of the devil. He knows your strengths and your weaknesses. So it's very important that as Christians, we tap into God's omniscience. It's very important that every one of us desire to be prophetic. To be prophetic means to get into the know. We desire to get into the know so that we can get into the flow of the Holy Ghost. We can get into the glow of his glory. We can deliver people from shame. We can deliver people from the attacks and the traps of the devil. Can we say amen? And it's important that you pray prophetically. You don't just pray by doctrines. You don't just pray according to what's happening. You better pray according to heaven's knowledge. That's how Daniel prayed. You pray to get heaven's knowledge to come to earth. That's how Jesus prayed. You pray to bring God's plan into your life and abort the plans of the devil. Can we say amen? Amen. So it's important to get into prophetic prayers. So as partakers of God's life, as partakers of God's omniscience, We have a prophetic sense. We have a sensing, we have a warning, we have a leading from the Holy Spirit regarding our future. I remember I was in the airport, we were on our way to Taiwan, and I just had the sensing of the Holy Spirit. I couldn't stop it. I just had to call. I just had to call the department. And I did that. Amen. And they cleared everything and my son was able to get into vet science. It is so important that we obey the unction of the Holy Spirit. It's so, so important. And it's very important that we honor that anointing. Honor that anointing. Honor the presence of the Holy Spirit. We're living in a generation that people have lost the fear of God. You know, when you know how God moves and you have seen him move, like, oh, God, we need you. Come on, lift our hands and say, Lord, we need you. We honor you. We cherish you. Say with me, Holy Spirit, I don't want to grieve you. I don't ever take you for granted. Amen. The world also has it. The world calls sensing the future, what do they call it? 
omens, premonitions, have a foreboding. Especially those of you that suffer a lot from headache. I used to suffer a lot from migraine headache. And I realized that that's the devil's way of coming against my calling. You know and you know that you have the prophetic gifts. And the devil tries to come against it. Lift up your hands if you know and you know that you flow in the prophetic. Come on, lift up your hands. And in the name of Jesus, we rebuke the attacks of the devil. Bind the attacks of the devil. Amen. All kinds of demonic headache leave you right now. Leave you in the name of Jesus. All kinds of counterfeits leave you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. The Bible calls it unction, a prophetic sense, a nudging or a warning or a silky feeling or a dread of what's about to happen. Listen to me, church. Don't go anywhere and don't do anything that you don't feel peaceful about. Don't go anywhere. Don't do anything when you don't have the light. Always go according to the light that you have on the inside of you. Don't do anything. Don't go anywhere by presumption. It's better to allow the Lord to push you than to be ahead of God. I remember I was listening to Kenneth E. Hagen. He said he would rather be late than to be early. He would rather be walking behind God, even if he's walking far behind, than to be ahead of God because then you couldn't see him. So we need to know the Holy Spirit. And it's important that we have communion and communication with him. Amen. Go with me to John 16 verse 33. John 16 verse 33, uh, verse 13, sorry. John 16, 13. This is Jesus speaking. How be it when he, the spirit of truth. Why is it so abstract? What do you mean the spirit of truth? So the air of truth. Exactly. The air of truth. What comes to your head? How many of you have had thoughts? Where do you think thoughts come from? It dawns on me. Suddenly I think like this. Suddenly an idea comes to me. Air. What travels in the air? Spirits. What travels in the air? Your voice. Music. That's why music is so powerful. The spirit of the truth. The voice that travels through the air current, giving you godly ideas, giving you God's way of being and doing right. Not your own righteousness, but God's way of being and doing right. Exposing what's wrong in the secrets of the heart. Exposing what's wrong in the deep recesses of the mind, in the deep recesses even of your imaginations. Whom do we need? The spirit of the truth. Amen. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. Amen. This is so, so powerful. This is so powerful. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall here. Can you see how humble the Holy Spirit is? The Holy Spirit is very humble. He is God. He is God. And yet, how do we know that they're humble? Because they are three in one. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and they listen to each other. They listen to each other. We better listen to them. Amen. And He will show you. He will show you what things to come. The Living Bible says he will tell you about the future. He will tell you about the future. I think this is a good way to get married, don't you think? Amen. So you make sure you marry the right guy or the right woman. Okay. So what spirit holds my future? It's up to you to decide. Well, what 
can I do to start having a good future? How can I start having a good future? When can I start having a good future? Come on, tell me, church. Now. <laughs> right away. Come on, say with me, now. Right away. I start having a good future. Amen. It's okay. I think, am I louder than the rain? Yes. Spirits move in teams to build an atmosphere above and around you. Now, let me ask you a very practical question. Have you ever noticed a shift of atmosphere when you enter into a casino? When you enter into a bar? When you enter into a cinema? When you enter into a restaurant? When you enter into a hospital? When you join a funeral? What is that? Because there are different spirits present in the atmosphere. So if your spiritual senses are active, you can actually sense and feel the presence of demons, the presence of angels. Praise the Lord. I want to thank God because uh, I need the rainwater for my fish and God is answering my prayer. Because Sunny has emptied all the water in the, in the recycle tank. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. So it is actually very true that we are never alone. Say to the person next to you, you are never alone. There are spirits that follow you. There are spirits that follow you. Make sure that they are God's spirits, good spirits. Amen. Amen. So while Daniel was in the lion's den, his angels were stronger than the lions. While the Hebrew children were in the fiery furnace, guess what? The Spirit, Jesus, who is with them, who came into the fiery furnace with them, was a lot stronger than the fire that tried to burn them. How many of you know that the fire that is in you, the Pentecostal fire, is a lot stronger than any hell fire the devil tried to put to you? Can we say amen? Hallelujah. Well, another important question, how do I know what kind of spirits are following me? How do I know what kind of spirits are following me most of the time? If you find yourself always agitated, you're always being driven, always very anxious, nervous, you can't sit still, possibly there are devils that are driving you, pushing you. If you find yourself angry quite often, or you have, we call, the Bible calls it fits of rage. Fits of rage means suddenly out of, you know, nowhere, over something very you know, unimportant, you became so angry. That's the devil, all right? So how do I know what kind of spirits are following me? Check your thoughts, your feelings, the words that come out of you. And also check what do you crave for? What do you pursue? What things are attractive to you? then you can tell who is getting your attention most of the time. Okay? Whether they are devils or whether they are angels and God. I'll put it this way. Who is your daily spiritual partner? The Holy Spirit should be our daily spiritual partner. But with the generation that we're living in, how many of you have noticed there are people that can never do without their phone. Always. There are people that are always acting. You know, they need to press their phone all the time. Cannot drop, cannot put it down. Always in the, you know, do you, you know what I'm talking about? There's a devil that's driving you. What's the, what does the Bible say? What does God say? Be still and know that I'm God. If you 
you find that it's very hard for you to be still, that you always have to be on the go, you always have to be running, you always have to be reading something, you always have to be stimulated, stimulated, possibly you are already over-stimulated. Do you understand what I'm saying? Amen. You need to deliver yourself. Nobody can deliver you if you don't want to be delivered. Can we say amen? Practice, practice, practice listening to the voice of God to be quiet. Okay? Amen. The Holy Spirit wants to be your partner for life and for good. And to do that, He needs your total honesty. Now, I'm trying to drive something home if you will listen to me. The majority of Christians interpret the Bible, interpret the commandments as God is telling you either you're good or you're bad. Thou shall not steal. So it's like God is saying, Thou shall not steal. But that's not what God is saying. Okay, the Holy Spirit is helping us to form our conscience, helping us to form our value judgment. Why? So that we can be protected. Protected from what? From covetousness. Protected from the fear of loss. Protected from the fear of having nothing. How many of you know what I'm talking about? His words are not to condemn you. His words are not to put you down. So, for example, if I say it's good for you to come to church, I'm not saying that it's bad for you not to come to church, but suddenly that's what you would think, right? Pastor Dora doesn't like me. She's saying that it's bad that I didn't come to church. But that's not what I meant at all. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? So when God talks to us, He's telling us and also He's imparting the power not to do what's harmful for us and also He's imparting the power for us to do what's good for us. How many of you know that the Word brings power? So when the Word says, Thou shall not steal, you shall not steal, the minute that Scripture is released, you don't steal. Why? Because the Word has imparted to you the power not to steal. And not even have the desire to steal or the lust to steal. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you know what I'm talking about? You get it? Amen. Praise the Lord. So don't approach God with that attitude that keeps thinking God is judging me. He's judging me. No, no, no. It's not judging. It's imparting. Impartation from the Word of God. Amen. And God wants us to go from good to better, from glory to glory, from faith to faith, from one level of maturity to another of spirituality. Can we say amen? How many of you know that there are levels of spirituality? Yes? And one level can be higher than another. Amen? So praise the Lord for that. Amen. And remember, nobody can change you but yourself. Not even the Holy Ghost. Not even God. Nobody can change me but myself. Amen? Can I ask you to say that to yourself? Nobody can change me but myself. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. It is important that we don't uh, become doctrinal mental Christians. It's important that we are spirit-filled Christians. The other day I was, you know, just meditating and spending time in the Lord. And suddenly I feel so, so blessed. It's like God's presence came all over me like a blanket. And I feel so, so blessed. And then the Holy Spirit was telling me and telling me and saying that, yes, you are very blessed. And then I said, yes, can you be more specific? Can you tell me exactly what, what you mean by that? And then he explained to me the very fact that I desire God so much, the very fact that I desire to know him so much, the very fact that I desire to serve him, I desire to, to know his word in the Bible, to know the Holy Spirit, all of that, I mean, ever since I got born again, that is a tremendous blessing to me. How many of you know that you can't even know God without having the desire to know Him? 
So the very fact that you desire to know him, that you desire to serve him, you desire to be close to him, you are so blessed. Lift up your hands and thank God for the blessing. The very fact that you desire to be in church, you are blessed. Can you see that? There is a lot of people who don't even, I mean, it doesn't even occur to them it's good to be in church. And you have the desire to come to church and you have the delight to be in church. Praise the Lord for that. That's the greatest blessing that no money can buy. Can we say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, can I ask you to look at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4 to 5. Now, if you have missed Kingdom Warriors, please listen to Kingdom Warriors the past uh, two weeks. All right? This is in one of them. These are very, very powerful and important scriptures. All right? Now, this is referring to spirit-filled, born-again Christians. It's just like when you're driving a car, you must have the row signs. If you don't have the row signs, you don't know where you're going. You don't know if we are, you're on the right way. Isn't that right? Amen. It's important that we know as Christians whether we are growing or not. It's important for us to know whether we are growing. It's important for us to know where we are and where we are going and how we can go still further and higher. Can we say amen? Because growing is intentional. Growing is intentional. I mean, even when it comes to natural knowledge, let's say if I want to do a degree, if I want to do a degree in, uh, let's say, marketing, I have to intentionally enroll myself. I have to intentionally pay the fee and then intentionally put aside hours to study and pass the tests or write the assignments. Amen? So when it comes to spiritual growth, don't think that it's automatic. Oh, because I've been a Christian for 20 years, so that means I'm very mature. Not necessarily. How many of us know that? Okay, so growth is intentional. It's very important. So these are the role signs for us. For it is impossible. I love this. Impossible. For those who were once enlightened, you got enlightened Because the light of heaven shine on you. Remember Saul on his way to Damascus, what happened to him? A light from heaven. All right? So all of us had been enlightened. Enlightened by the word, enlightened by the presence of God. All right? So this is talking about us. Number one. Say with me one. Enlightened. Number two. Tasted of the heavenly gift gift of healing, the gift of the word of knowledge, the gift of wisdom, the gift of the discerning of spirits, the gift of the working of miracles, the gift of tongues, the gift of the interpretation of tongues, or the nine spiritual gifts listed in your Bible. Taste it of the heavenly gift. You have had them in your life. It can be through you or through somebody else. You have tasted Of the heavenly gift. Number three, partakers of the Holy Ghost. You have his thoughts. You have his emotions. You have his compassion. You have all the fruit of the Spirit, the nine gifts of the Spirit. You can partake of them. Amen. Partakers, sharers, participants of the Holy Ghost. Number four, taste it, the good word of God, the rhema word. It is written that Jesus bore my sickness and carried my pain by his stripes. I am healed. And all the pain left you. The sickness left you. You have tasted the good word of God. Number, what number is now? Five. The powers of the world to come. Resurrection power. The power that this earth, this earthly realm, this natural realm had never experienced. The powers of the world to come. Glory be to God. That is still to be revealed to the church. 
So we need to grow with these, we need to grow with this list in mind. Then you start to know how powerful Christianity is. Can we say amen? Hallelujah. Who controls my future? Well, spirits. Spirit work through your words. So be careful with your tongue. The words that you say. What did Jesus say? Jesus said in Matthew 12, verse 34 to 37. Matthew 12, 34 to 37. Christians, we need to protect ourselves so that we are not provoked. Now, not everybody is as spiritual as you are because you do have the fruit of the Spirit, which is listed as self-control. So it's important that you practice that, practice that, practice that, so that you are not provoked because even Moses was provoked. And they were trying to provoke Jesus, remember. But Jesus held. Jesus did not open his mouth. Remember that? Yes. So, oh, generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? The words came out of their mouths. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So your heart can control your mouth. If you keep meditating on what is good, then your mouth talks good. But if you keep thinking that your spouse is bad, when you open your mouth, then you scold your spouse. <laughs> Did you get that? If you keep thinking of what's wrong, what's bad with someone else, then the minute you open your mouth, you get angry with that person. Amen? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A man, a good man, out of the good treasure of the heart. Out of the good treasure of the heart, bring it forth what? Good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil. Well, you said to me, well, Pastor Dora, are you telling me to just go live in the jungle? <laughs> That's not what I mean. That's a tactic. What's the tactic? One year in, one year out. If somebody is talking bad about his or her spouse with you on the phone... Put it away from your ears. So after that person has vented, you put it back <laughs> to your ear and pray and comfort that person. So try not to allow junk to come in. Can we say amen? What do you do with the junk in your house? Chuck it. <laughs> what do you do with the junk in your house? Come on, tell me. Chuck it in the bin. There is a bin in you. It's called your heart. You need to keep it clean. Keep it clean. We don't want any heart problem. Physically and mentally and emotionally. All right? You are in charge of your heart. Not your husband, not your wife, not your kids, not your boss. Come on, say with me, I am, I am. in charge, in charge. Of, my heart. of my heart. This is your storage. Your heart is your storage. What if you... I mean, we're living in these days, uh, you know, we have people sending out junk email, you know, trying to hack your phone, uh, telling you you have a parcel coming. Don't be so stupid as to answer those phone calls or answer those text messages. They are hackers. And what do you do with them? What do you do with them? Delete them. Block them. <laughs> delete. Block. <laughs> Say to the person next to you, delete. delete. Block. The choice is yours. Can we say amen? I want you to read James chapter 3, verse 2 to 5. James 3, 2 to 5. Come on, say with me, I'm in control. You're in control of your phone. You're in control of your computer. You're in control of your heart. You're in control. James 3, chapter James chapter 3, verse 2 to 5. Dear brothers, don't be too eager to tell others their faults. <laughs> For we all make many mistakes. And when we teachers of religion who should know better do wrong, our punishment will be greater than it would be for others. <laughs> the Living Bible. Are you sure you've given me the right scripture? 
Are you sure that's in our Bible? Yes. <laughs> if anyone can control his tongue, it proves that he has perfect control over himself in every other way. Amen. We can make a large horse turn around and go wherever we want by means of a small bit in his mouth. And a tiny rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot wants it to turn, even though the winds are strong. So also the tongue. I want to stop there. So our tongue, your tongue, is a steering wheel for your life. Our tongue is the steering wheel for our future. Our tongue can decide where our future is heading. Can we say amen? amen? So number one, spirits fight to get your tongue. Number two, spirits fight to get your ears, your hearing. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So by the law of reversal, fear comes by hearing and hearing the word of the devil. Now, I have to say that I'm not into conspiracy theory. I know that a lot of people are into it. Conspiracy theory, you have to be very, very careful with them. If you are always listening and watching conspiracy theories and always listening and watching conspiracy theories, that will be what you'll be dreaming, that you will be what you'll be hearing, that will be what you'll be seeing. You'll be seeing people walking after you, chasing after you, have traps ahead of you. That's not good news. Can we say amen? That's not good news. So what we hear most of the time, gossips, conspiracy theories, strives, troubles, problems, worries, negative thoughts, negative emotions, they all have a voice. The voice can either build us up or undermine us. Okay? God wants to build us up. Don't allow the devil to undermine God's word, to sow doubts and unbelief into you. Don't allow the devil to cause you to have so much faith in the natural that you find it hard to believe God for miracles. Do not allow words that belittle and undermine your faith, your self-confidence, your self-worth, your identity and your calling to come to you. By the same token, don't be always listening to words that flatter you, boost your ego, and also don't listen to words that confuse and deceive you, tempt and seduce you. God, our ears. God, our ears. Can we say amen? Amen. God, your hearing. Praise the Lord. And if you want to be a good friend, who is a good friend? A friend that would pray with you. A friend who believes in your calling. A friend that will edify you. A friend will strengthen you. A friend that encourages you to receive your vision from God. Can we say amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Finally, spirits also work through our seeing. Your eyes. Let's look at John chapter 8, verse 56. John chapter 8, verse 56. This is Jesus. Jesus said, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. They thought you must be crazy. Abraham was so many hundreds of years before you. What was Jesus talking about? Jesus was talking about that Abraham, in Abraham's day, Abraham saw prophetically God's provision for the lamb. That's what Abraham saw and he saw it and he was glad. Abraham saw his future. Remember, Abraham's future became Jesus' past. Your future will become somebody's past. Your future will become someone's past. It's so important that you build your future because somebody else would benefit from it. 
time is interrelated and time binds us together. I want you to look at this scripture, Genesis chapter 22, verse 13. I want you to see that Abraham was a prophet. And he saw what's most powerful for himself at that moment, at that point in time, and for us generationally, eternally. He saw God's provision. So you may think that, you know, I, I'm in a place where I'm so stretched, I can't see the way out, I can't see God's provision. Abraham was hard-pressed. He was about to offer his son physically. And it was what he saw that connected him to God's provision and saved the life of his son. So what we see is very, very important. What we see is very, very important. I want you to see what the Holy Spirit is revealing to us. And Abraham lifted up his eyes. Lifted up his eyes. He had to lift up his eyes. He couldn't just casually see. There are things in God that he wants to show you, but you won't see it until you're ready and you're willing to stretch and lift up your eyes. Or until you're willing, like Abraham did, to go up the mountain so that you could see higher. Too many Christians, you are too contented with just what's around you. But God wants you to go higher so you can lift up your eyes and see his provision. His future that you have, that he has for you. Don't be so limited to what the doctors say, to the doctor's report, to what the pharmacists are saying, to what the lawyers are saying. No, lift up your eyes, lift up your eyes and look. Now, I want you to see this. The Holy Ghost is so, so clever. The ram was not in heaven. Where was the ram? On the mountain, on the earth. How come he had to lift up his eyes? This is the Holy Ghost telling us the church. Sometimes what God has for us is not in the natural. It's not just around us. So he lifted up up his eyes and looked. And behold, three times. Three times. That's the Holy Spirit trying to get our attention. Lifted up his eyes, looked, behold. And a ram. Can you see that? This is so, so powerful. And then I want you to look at verse 14. Verse 14. Verse 14. That's why he called. Why did he call that place? Because there's power. Power. Power coming out of his revelation. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh. It's important today. We've known God, two very powerful facets of God, omniscience, provision. And his provision is related to his omniscience. Jehovah Jireh, it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. Maybe you've been wanting provision and you haven't seen it. It's because you haven't been on the mount of the Lord. Jehovah Jireh, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. How do we get into the future that God has for us? Get into the spirit. The devil is doing this all the time. And that's why he's putting things before your eyes, things that you don't want to see. He's putting things in your ears, things that you don't want to hear. Why? Because he knows that that's how it works. Do you get it? Amen. Praise God. So are we supposed to know our future? Yes or no? Yes. Isn't that superstition? No. When you get to know your future from the Lord, from the truth, it's not superstition. It's what God wants us to know. Amen. Can I ask you to read Jeremiah chapter 10 verse 3? Jeremiah 10 3. Don't act like the people who make horoscopes and try to read their fate and future in the stars. Don't be frightened by predictions such as theirs. 
For it is all a pack of lies. Their ways are futile and foolish. They cut down a tree and carve an idol. Can you see that? And look at John chapter 16, verse 13. John 16, 13 in the Living Bible. When he, this is Jesus talking, when he, the Holy Spirit, who is the truth, when he comes, he shall guide you into all truth. He will not be presenting his own ideas, but will be passing on to you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. Do you get it? Amen. Amen. How many of you remember the flood? How many of you remember Noah believed God even when he had never seen the rain? It was future to him. It was future to him. The flood was future to Noah when he first heard from God. But the flood is now our past. Okay? It's so important that we understand this. What about David? David was looking far into the future. This is in Acts chapter 2, verse 31 to 32. Acts was looking, uh, David was looking far into the future and predicting the Messiah's resurrection. David. David was looking into the future and predicting the Messiah's resurrection. And saying that the Messiah's soul would not be left in hell and his body would not decay. This is prophetic praying. So he was talking about Jesus. He didn't know that because it was the future for him. But it's now the past for the church. We know that. So the Messiah was David's future. His prophecy for the future. But the coming of the Messiah had already taken place in the past now for us. So now, what do we have to do? We have to keep building the future because the future that we are building will be somebody's past. That's called a testimony. How many of you have got it? Amen. Amen. So build your future in him. Listen to this. The future will always become the past. The future will always become the past. Your tomorrow will always become your yesterday. Do you get it? Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we give you thanks. Father, we give you praise. You are such an awesome God. Our life, yes, indeed, is made up of time. And time is so awesome, it's so precious, it's so powerful. And Father, I pray that none of us is intimidated or threatened by time. No matter how old we are or how young we are, no matter where we are, time is a tool that we need to use, we need to put into work. And Father, we pray that every one of us, we cross one another's paths. Amen. Every one of us. And may we be wise enough to always bless and build up one another. Amen. And also the generations that you have caused our paths to, our paths to meet or our paths to cross, may we always be a blessing to the generations ahead of us or behind us. Father, we praise you and thank you. You are awesome. You're powerful. You're omniscient. We give you thanks. We give you praise in Jesus' precious name. Can we start giving communion?